0: Mate, what's going on? It is so good to have you here with me for episode 33 of the Exponential Performance Podcast. In this week's episode, performance coach and holistic nutritionist Nick Taylor swings by for his first of a regular segment where he's going to drop by and offer some tips to you. Today, he's talking about super starch. And then I also have a little bit of a recap and a clarification on last week's episode when it comes to periodization. And I also talk about how much massage should you be getting and are you looking after your body enough? Let's get into it.
1: Welcome to the Exponential Performance Podcast. Join sports scientist and performance coach Matty Graham to find out how to train smarter and maximize your performance no matter who you are. Mate,
0: what is going on this week? As always, it is so good to have you here along with me for the Exponential Performance Podcast. Today, we're tuning in for episode 33 episode 33 so make sure those headphones are plugged in if you're out on the bike click up again make it a little bit harder if you're running push a little bit more if you're just sitting at work work a little bit harder because we are going to get into it today and talk about some different ways that you can train smarter so you can take those steps closer towards your goal now thank you so much for all of the generous donors who have made a donation to the exponential performance podcast christmas charity now what we're trying to do here is raise as much money as we possibly can before the 25th of december to donate to world vision to help make some people's lives that live in this beautiful world of ours a little better than they are We're doing that simply by getting together as a community and donating a small amount of money. Now the exponential performance podcast community is growing at a rapid rate. So if everybody listening to this episode could just donate one or two dollars over at the give a little page, it would be greatly appreciated and it would go a long way for this community to be doing something bigger than just listening to this podcast and going about your general training. So if you are interested in donating to this charity, there will be a link in the show notes over at the Exponential Performance Coaching website underneath episode 33. But also, if you're listening on YouTube, there will be a link down to the Give A Little page down in the description below. If you're listening on SoundCloud, check it out, it'll be in the description below as well. Any other platform, you might have to jump over to the Exponential Performance Coaching website to hit that link. So if you have found this episode or any of the 33 episodes of the Exponential Performance Coaching podcast helpful, then please consider paying it forward and giving a little bit of help to others in need. on last week's episode. Now I hope everybody enjoyed it first of all uh, and I hope I didn't go off on too many tangents. I have been known to go off on tangents and get distracted by things but I just wanted to take a couple of notes uh, about last week that maybe weren't made clear enough uh, as I was talking. And the first is all about the speed phase of your periodization. Now as I talked about in the base phase, I talked a little bit about uh, nutrient deprivation training or fasted training, and how that is a, how that is a tool to improve your endurance. Now, in the in the speed phase, it's really important not to perform this type of training, or at least not perform it for your key speed development sessions. Because in the speed phase of your training, the key thing, the key stimulus, the key thing that is driving adaptation is your intensity. How hard you're training. And if you're not fueling yourself correctly, as in you're fasted when you go out, and perform your high intensity sessions, your interval sessions, you're not able to reach the intensity required to get the outcome that we are after. Now I talk a lot about this in episode 25. I talk a lot about the required training intensity and how this uh, stimulates adaptations in episode 25, which was all about anaerobic threshold. So if you want to get a little bit more of an understanding about why the intensity of your training is so important for specific adaptations, check out episode 25 uh, as I cover a lot of that in there when I talk about anaerobic threshold adaptations. So it's really key that during your speed phase of training, when you head out the door for those key sessions that are targeted at increasing your anaerobic threshold or VO2 max, that you are fueled up and also I talked a lot about the, the importance of specificity in the speed phase, making that training more specific for your upcoming event. Nutrition is also a specific that you need to train, and the speed phase is ideal to train your planned race nutrition strategy in training so that you're ready for it in racing. So not only is it important to fuel your training adaptations, but it's also important to trial your planned race nutrition plan so that you're ready for it come race day and you're not gonna get those GI discomforts. And I also talk about that way back in episode five, where I talk about training your gut, okay? You can actually train your stomach to handle uh, more volume so that during race day, you can take in the required amount of food and fluid to maximize performance, but not get the GI upsets that's often associated with eating during races. So check out that episode five, training your gut. And then if you wanna know more about that intensity, check out episode 25. The other note here I had to talk about was when I talked about the meat color, the meat color. And I talked about the difference between white meat or chicken breast meat and then the dark meat and chickens, And I said that the white meat is more uh, anaerobic, the type 1, sorry, the type 2 fibers, the fast twitch. And then I talked about how the dark meat are more type 1-like fibers. They have more capillarization. And so I guess this is time to expand on that a little bit because I had quite a few people uh, contact me about it. Uh, and the first one was, well, what about other animals that are all just one type of meat? And that, and that's true. The chicken, I guess, is an interesting example of how different uh, some animals have some type one muscle fibers concentrated to certain uh, parts of their anatomy, and other types of muscle fibers uh, in other areas. Most animals will just have one kind of type of muscle fiber. If you think of uh, venison or meat that comes from deer is very very red pretty much all the way through their body and and the reason that is is because those types of animals are really aerobic they have got so many blood vessels out into those muscles to get blood so that they can transport that oxygen around the body so yes some animals have different compositions of um, muscle fibers. Uh, and I'm not saying that chicken legs are the best place to get your red meat from because there are a lot of other meats out there that are far more superior in terms of the redness than uh, chicken legs or chicken thighs are. And you can see that they're not as red as venison, as uh, beefsteak, uh, as anything like that. But It is darker than the white meat, and it's just an example that I give. So don't get too hung up on that. The other question I had is, if you eat dark meat, or if you eat light meat, are you then able to get more of those types of muscle fibers in your body because you are eating them? Well, not really, but yes. And this is why I say yes, is because if you eat more red meat, you're going to get more iron because there's more myoglobin in those muscles, more iron in the red meat. And that there is important for improving your endurance capacity to a certain point. And this is why people, uh, especially females who get anemic, they get low iron, are advised to consume red meat is because they're low in iron. They need more of it and if you're low in iron, you're not gonna have uh, very good endurance capacity. So if you eat dark meat, red meat, it does help your endurance in the fact to a point that you have enough iron to produce more red blood cells to carry blood around the body. These are the raw materials. If you're looking at getting faster, unfortunately, eating white meat isn't gonna have any beneficial effect Um, aside from just the protein content in it compared to say if you were to eat red meat. So hopefully that clears up any confusion around the little example story I gave last week about the difference between white breast meat and, uh, and darker meat and chickens. If you're completely lost to what I am actually talking about here you have no concept of what is going on Make sure you get out and check out episode 2 sorry, check out episode 32, where I talk about the periodization of endurance training but also the difference in white and dark meat in chickens. Huh. So Moving on to this week's episode, what I wanted to talk about is just something that I'm currently going through, um, and to, to provide some tips to other people who may be going through a similar thing. Now, I don't know about you, but I find it really hard, or difficult, to fit in body maintenance type sessions, and now any of the athletes that I work with will be listening. To, that are listening to this will be saying, ah, that's bastard. He always makes me make a point of doing my foam rolling and my stretching and everything. And I know some of you get stuck right into it and do a very, very good job. Others, I know you're like me. You you don't really like doing it. You don't have a lot of time for it. uh, And it's the first thing to slip off your plate when you get busy. So for me, um, over the last, I guess it's five years, ever since we had our first child, Elsie, This has been a part of my performance that's just been slipping more and more and more. Uh, I used to be very attentive to my body maintenance. I would do a lot of stretching, a lot of rolling, and I really didn't think anything of it. It just is what I did. I felt good because of it, but I was also a lot younger than I am now. Uh, And now that I am getting older, I am feeling a lot more aches and pains, and I'm having a lot more issues to be completely honest with you. So what I wanted to do today is just talk you through uh, a little, a few problems I've been having over the last couple of years and what I'm doing to fix them now. So with these big, long, ultra-endurance mountain bike events that I do, the body gets pretty beaten up. I've had a couple of bouts, and I've talked about it on the show before, a couple of bouts of tendinitis uh, or tendinosis where... Just the tendons aren't handling the load. I had the first one in my patella tendon, so that's in my knee, and then also in my forearm. And I worked pretty hard to fix these myself. You know, being someone who is in this area, a professional in this area, I like to think that I can uh, I should at least be able to take care of my own body. Uh, and to a certain extent, I can. Um, and I did manage to fix these uh, two issues that I had through a combination of strength training um, and also supplementation. And if you wanna uh, listen more about the supplementation that I used that you may find interesting, check out episode six, where I talk about gelatin supplementation. There's a lot of references to previous episodes in this episode. I don't know why, it's just the way it turned out. But if you wanna check out how I used gelatin supplementation to help heal my tendon injuries, Go check out episode six. So, I was able to to fix these things. And then I've had a really ongoing shoulder problem. A really ongoing shoulder problem. Um, And what the problem is, is I don't really know. I've tried really hard to fix it. I've got quite a winged scapula where the, the scapula sort of peels off my back. Uh, And I think it's a combination of a rugby injury that I got when I was in high school when I played rugby. Uh, A lot of work on the computer, especially it's on my right hand, which is my mouse hand. Sorry, my right shoulder. And my right hand is my mouse hand. So I get this forward, rotated shoulder. I'm also extremely tight through my, my pecs and my chest muscles on that side. Uh, and it is also my strong arm that I carried both of our children around with when they weren't sleeping in the middle of the night trying to get them back to sleep. You, you know, if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. you got them in your arm, holding them to the chest going, shh, 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 for hours on end. And my right arm was this, the arm that I did that with. And I think after uh, two children that these things all sort of compounded uh, to leave me with this pretty, Sort of just munted shoulder, really. I don't know how the better to explain it. Uh, and the other day, and I've just had repeated little injuries to it because of these imbalances. Uh, and the latest one, when I was just picking up my daughter and, and got this really sharp pain through my shoulder. I guess you can say I'm a little bit of a slow learner. But what I've finally decided to do is get some help for it. And it's something I should have done a long time ago and put some time and effort into getting it right. But it's like a lot of endurance athletes. We get these little niggles and we just learn to deal with them. They're not you know, painfully sore all the time. They don't really hamper day-to-day life or day-to-day training or day-to-day function. But they're just annoying and they're always just there niggling away some days are worse than others but you can sort of push push on and, and get through it endurance athletes usually have a very high pain tolerance uh, and so you're able to push through these things so we're at this point now where i'm taking quite aggressive steps to get this shoulder right uh, and i have tried to fix it myself and i have to be honest, I've, I've failed miserably on it, and I, I think a lot of athletes are in the same boat where they get to the point that they need to get some professional help to get whatever it is sorted, and it's never a quick fix, and it's going to take a long bit of a, a long road, I guess, back to to full full health. I see this a lot in athletes' quads and hip flexors. So if you get pains in your knees or you you know you've got really tight quads, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have very tight quads and hip flexors. It's something that most endurance athletes have, especially runners, cyclists, mountain bikers, uh, or multi-sport triathlete uh, type athletes. Because of all the work that you do that is mainly quad dominant, and then you go to work and you sit which makes those muscles even tighter and more contracted. And then you get in the car and you sit some more, you get home and you do some more sitting, and then you decide you've got to do some training. So you go out and you sit on your bike and just make them even tighter. So it's this little bit of a, a vicious cycle, so to speak. And if you aren't paying particular attention to getting them right, these things can start to add up slowly but slowly, and then you get a major issue with usually your knees or potentially your hips as well. So how do you get on top of these things? The first thing I'd suggest is don't go at it alone. And this is something I probably should have listened to my own advice on a long time ago, but I am now so don't worry, is to go and get some help. And the reason I suggest getting some help is because even for, you know, an expert, I guess you could call me, in this area that I deal with a lot of people and I help a lot of people with their issues as well, is it's really hard to diagnose yourself or to to fix yourself because you you're not looking at yourself through a third party perspective, which is what a coach or a therapist or a massage therapist is is very good at doing. And especially if you've got tight quads or, or hip flexors, the amount of pain that is required to get these back to where they need to be, I, I truly believe is more than most people can handle. Because when you've got really tight muscles, such as your quads or your hip flexors, there's a certain level of pain required to bash these muscles into shape, to break up the connective tissue, the myofascial layer around the muscles, and to get them moving uh, smoothly, to get that tightness out of them, to stretch them out, to, to, to manipulate the muscles, to get them back to where they were, get them back to that resting length. It requires a certain amount of pain, because what we're trying to do Is activate the Golgi tendon organs and this is a little uh, cell within the muscle and in the tendons that detects stretch and what we need to do is we need to put enough pressure on this so that it signals the muscle to relax because the Golgi tendon organ is a little bit of a safety switch if you like in the muscle that as soon as the muscle gets stretched too much or has too much tension on it the muscle will relax so that it doesn't tear itself or have a major trauma. So what we're doing is when we're stretching or when we're rolling or when we're getting myofascial release or massage, whatever form it comes in, what we're trying to do is uh, signal the Golgi tendon organ to get that muscle to contract and then to relax. And it requires pain. And this is why foam rolling hurts. If foam rolling doesn't hurt, you're probably not doing it right. There is a certain level of discomfort that it needs. If you've ever had your calves that are really tight massage, it sends you through the absolute roof. But you can't really get that same level of pressure, tension, or pain when you're rolling them yourself. You just ease off, you know, because it's, it's super sore. So what I would suggest is getting some help from a massage therapist or a physiotherapist so that one, you can identify what the actual issue is and come up with a plan to to tackle it. But then two, to get some work done on those areas to start the the process of getting that myofascial release or those getting those trigger points, getting the knots out of the muscle, however you want to think of it. And so what I would suggest is Get some work done on those those quads, on those calves, whatever your problem is. For me, it's through my, my chest, through my pecs, and through my lats, and through just my general upper back and thoracic spine, which is just tighter than anything. And once you're able to kickstart that work, so to speak, with all of that help from whoever you're getting help from, then it's more achievable to do self management because if you just go straight to the self management like i said before you're just not able to get in there like someone else is able to you're not able to put yourself through as much pain as someone else will be able to because you've always got that inbuilt survival mechanism as you don't want to hurt yourself you don't want to you don't want to push yourself into that discomfort and for most people me included they're able to push themselves, say, out on the bike or running or whatever it might be. When they're really working up a hill, they're able to suffer through that pain really well. But when it comes to the discomfort of laying on your living room floor, rolling around on a roller or a lacrosse ball, the pain's just not the same. It's not a nice pain, at least uh, the way you know a lot most people frame it, and they will avoid it. The first thing is they won't go hard enough. Or second of all, they just won't do it. They just won't do it. So I highly suggest getting someone to get started for you. Outsource it. Outsource the pain. Get someone else to inflict it on you. Then it's done. Then you've got someone to report to. Book a massage and you've got to be here on this day at this time for this pain. Because I guarantee not many people do that for their phone rolling or mobility sessions. Once you get that initial kickstart, then get stuck into that self management because hopefully it's taken the edge off it, so to speak, and you're able to maintain it a lot easier. And then you can dial back the amount of massage that you're getting because, let's face it, massage is expensive. And that's why a lot of people, you know, potentially avoid it. But if you can get a couple to kickstart you and then get into that self-management, and then just have a little bit of a massage top-up, if you like, every couple of weeks or once a month. Treat yourself because as I am finding out firsthand for all of the neglect I've put my body through, it's been ridden hard, so to speak, and put away wet too many times, it's starting to catch up on me. And it's something that I am working personally very hard on at the moment to get back in shape. And I have outsourced A lot of this to other people. I've got a physio that's working pretty hard on me. I've got a massage therapist that's uh, working hard on me as well. Uh, The physios prescribe exercises to me. I'm I'm a strength and conditioning coach for you know high performance athletes but I've got someone else with a third party perspective to prescribe the training that I need to be doing to manage these. Because if we look at history just I haven't been able to do it myself. That's the fact, you know, a mechanic's car is always the worst, isn't it? And it's definitely true in this case. So hopefully you can learn from that. Hopefully you can learn from that. I will keep you posted on how I'm getting on with managing my uh, niggles and my return to full function. I've posted a couple of photos over on my Instagram account. My Instagram account is EPC. so if you want to find out a little bit more about the process I'm going through, jump over and check out that, uh, and I'll keep you posted. Let me know in the comments below, what injuries or niggles are you struggling with? Do you get regular massage? Do you get regular massage? And how much do you like doing foam rolling, self myofascial release work with the lacrosse ball, the foam roller, some stretching? How much do you like that? Do you make it a point of getting it done? Or are you like me or a lot of other people that I have a feeling do the same thing? You get out there and do the training that you really enjoy. And then the mobility and myofascial release stuff sometimes falls by the wayside. Chuck a comment in below. I'd be interesting to see what people's thoughts are on that. do now is we're going to cut to a segment with the other Exponential Performance Coach. His name's Nick Taylor, and if you haven't met him before, well, you're about to. If you want to know more about Nick, you can check out his profile over at the Exponential Performance Coaching website, which is simply exponentialperformancecoaching.com slash Nick. Nick. And what Nick's going to do is he's going to become a little bit of a regular on this podcast and just bring you some little snippets of different things that hopefully you find informative and interesting. So today, for Nick's first appearance on the podcast, he's going to be talking about something called Super Starch. Let's have a listen to what Nick has to say.
1: Hey team, Nick Taylor here and boy is it good to be making an appearance on the podcast finally. I'm a performance coach and a holistic performance nutritionist uh, working with Maddie over at Exponential Performance Coaching. What I'm here to talk to you about today is a product called Generation UCAN. Now the past few podcasts there's been conversations around things like low carbohydrate high fat diets, uh, also fasted and Uh, nutrient deprivation training sessions to to help our body maximize our ability to metabolize fat. Now, if we're going to spend all this time training, fasted and uh, eating a lower carbohydrate diet, then we really are looking to normalize our body's insulin levels. Uh, When we have a a high load of insulin floating around the body, our ability to metabolize fat is, is shut off. Uh, And this is caused by, generally, an increase in carbohydrate. Uh, So let's say we have a a meal of white rice, that's going to increase our insulin. Um, Therefore, our insulin is going to shut off our fat metabolism and it's going to process those carbohydrates and use them as fuel and as storage. Now, there's there's nothing wrong with having carbohydrates or or obviously insulin response in the body, Um, but if we're looking to increase our endurance capabilities and things like reducing GI distress um, and energy levels throughout the day, then a lower insulin response or a more stable insulin response can arise from having a a better ability to metabolize fat. Um, So at a lower intensity, um, whether that be about your day-to-day work life um, or in some of these longer sort of Ironman um, type races, then we can can really utilize um, our body's ability to metabolize fat um, as a fuel for energy. Now, what generation NuCan is, is a superstarch. And essentially a superstarch is a carbohydrate that does not have an insulin response. So therefore, it doesn't act like a normal carbohydrate in the body, but it provides the energy of a carbohydrate. Now, it was actually designed as a medical pro- uh, product uh, for a child that was born with a very rare met- metabolic disorder. Um, this wee fella's name was Jonah, and he was a, unable to break down certain carbohydrates, and this included glycogen, which is the, the stored form of carbohydrates in our muscles, which as athletes we rely so heavily on in our, our training. Um, now Generation Nucan was very successful for, for this young fella, and he, he, he went on to, to live a relatively normal life, um, based on the fact that this product was able to provide him with a source of energy, Uh, that his body wasn't uh, rejecting. So what they then did was said, well, if it's just a carbohydrate that's not providing an insulin spike, then maybe we could use this in an athletic performance point of view. So they've created a product uh, that is essentially a powder, and it's very similar to a protein powder, as such that you mix with water, and it's designed to give you approximately two to three hours of a stable energy source, And it can be really beneficial for for use before a fasted or a nutrient deprivation training session. Uh, Because it's not providing any spike in insulin, it's giving you energy without interfering with your fat metabolism, which is the the key of those nutrient deprivation sessions. So therefore, you can push yourself a wee bit harder uh, and mentally maybe stay with that session a bit longer because you've got fuel on board. um, But at the same time, you're not compromising the the, the aim of that session. Um, now the, the real upside to these products is they have a very, very small chance of affecting your stomach. Um, one serve is about approximately 38 grams, so it's not a very big amount of powder, and generally you'd mix it into a small amount of water, so it's into kind of a, a thickish paste, and you'd drink that in basically one mouthful um, within half an hour before your, your session, and off you go. Now, like a lot of nutritional products, um, there's a a huge variety of different preferences and tastes and consistencies. So with the UCAN, you can either make it into almost like a a solid gel paste, uh, all the way through to quite a a watered-down liquid, Um, but the the base of it is to to get it all in there at one go. So if you've got a lot more water, you're going to have to have a bigger drink, Um, but it's not like a a hydration product or... um, uh, or something similar, where you're going to be drinking that over the course of an hour, it's uh, open and down the hatch. Um, I've been using some of these in some, some longer sessions, so I've been using them as a, in, a during fuel as well. Um, and I find them to be fantastic at just keeping me going um, without overloading my stomach um, and without sort of making me want to crave the sweet, sugary lollies um, and even in some respects the caffeine. So I really like them for for long sessions, um, but also for enabling me to get up and and do a hard session um, over two, three hours first thing in the morning um, without having to worry about uh, breakfast. Uh, Another key area that they certainly do promote the use of UCAN is in recovery. So you've come back from your, your two or three hour session, if not a little bit longer. Um, and you've got all these nice enzymes floating around your body, uh, your insulin levels are really down and really low, um, or really normal, should I say, um, and your fat metabolism is kind of in, in overdrive. Now you don't really want to stop that if you can possibly help it because you're going to get a better benefit and potentially a bigger training benefit while you're still recovering if you don't dump a whole bunch of sugar and, and sort of simple carbohydrate in there. So they throw, throw some powder into a smoothie, Um, even with a little bit of protein powder, um, a couple of the flavors have a little bit of protein in them as well, Um, and then you're going to get a a nice, again, slow-released energy to help you recover, to help you rebuild your glycogen, um, without compromising your fat uh, metabolism and your training benefits. So they come in a a bunch of flavors, uh, and they also come in individual serve sachets, or in a, a tub that you can scoop out. Um, one thing to note about the sachets is most flavors, the sachet is about one and a half to two scoops out of a tub. Um, now they do talk about the, the tub serving size being one scoop, um, but I find I need to go one and a half to two, and when I certainly do that I, I feel a better effect than just one scoop, it's just not quite enough. Um, and like I said, some flavors have a higher protein level, and they're better for the recovery side of things than the, the ones that don't. You can find these online, generally. Uh, a lot of sports shops won't sell them. Um, in New Zealand, you can find these on nutritionstore.online. Um, and I'll get Maddie to put a link in the show notes over um, for that. Um, they also make a range of hydration products and sports bars as well. Um, now, the sports bars are essentially... A bar made out of the same uh, type of carbohydrates. So it's a bar that has a very low insulin response. Um, It does also have a little bit of fat and a little bit of protein. So if you prefer to eat something solid during your training or your racing, that can be a good idea. Um, Or even just as a snack for for during the day. I quite like them as a, a morning tea snack when I'm floating around. And in terms of their hydration products, uh, they're, they're fairly a standard hydration product with, with a decent amount of sodium in there. Um, so if you're comfortable with what you're using and you're not getting any, any GI distress, you might not decide to, to give them a crack. Um, but I can tell you that they do taste very nice. Um, and uh, they're all sort of full of good, product, uh, good quality products. So nothing nasty in there. Now that is all from me today, guys. Uh, if you have any questions around you can or how to use it, uh, just give us a, a message and I'll, I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Um, otherwise, I look forward to, to bringing in your topic next week.
0: So there you have it, team. I hope you found that little insight from exponential performance coach Nick Taylor interesting. If you've got any more questions about that, feel free to send them through on a voice message and we'll get them on the podcast. Or if you've got specific comments that you want to ask him about, fire him through an email. You can find out his details over at the Exponential Performance Coaching website, simply at exponentialperformancecoaching.com slash Nick. Like he said, I will post a link where you can get out and check out UCAN uh, if you're in New Zealand. We'll put that over at the, at www.ExponentialPerformanceCoaching.com slash 33 for episode 33. Well, that's all I've got for you today. I hope you have found it useful, and I hope you're going to get out there and take some action on what you've learned today. Because it's all very good knowing, but it's the doing that gets you the results. And just to close, again, thank you very much for all of those podcast listeners who have donated to the Exponential Performance Podcast Christmas charity. The dollar amount is mounting up there and hopefully we'll be able to take a big check to World Vision on the 25th of December. Just a reminder, I never see any of this money. It's automatically transferred to World Vision through the Give a Little charity website. So You don't have to be worried about me skimming any money off. I make absolutely nothing from your donations. So if you have found this episode or any of the other 33 episodes helpful, interesting, informative, or just entertaining, something to listen to, please consider paying it forward with a small donation to World Vision to help someone else in this world of ours have a slightly better life. Until next time, get out there and train hard, but most importantly, train smart.